Amen. Go ahead and thank the worship team leading us this morning. And then I've got a question for you all as I tell you Happy New Year. It's by a raise of hand. Who has been to church every day this past year, every Sunday? Who's made it to church every Sunday this past year? You two are the only ones who understand what's going on right now. All of you have been to church every Sunday this year so far. So tell the person next to you, good job, keep it up. Uh, yeah, my, uh, <laughs> my pastor in high school used to do that to us every year, and I told myself I would never do that because it's super corny, and I, I do it anyways. Um, I do want to welcome you if uh, it's your first time with us uh, at Catalyst Church. I, I do have corny pastor jokes every once in a while, so I apologize in advance. Um, as we begin the new year, I, I get excited for New Year's. Um, I like kind of having a restart and to even think about the, my goals and resolutions and all of those sorts of things. Uh, I'm somebody who kind of believes in all of that. Uh, I think having, if you don't have goals, you're less likely to, to reach them. And so set them. You don't always reach them. Sometimes you break your resolutions. That's okay. Uh, but I, I like setting them. And so I like thinking about the things that we're doing in the church as well. And I like giving people opportunities uh, for what uh, uh, God might be able to do in their life. As we try to disciple people, we want to try to do things on purpose, and that's why I think it's a good thing to even set goals, and so you're doing things that you have set out to do. So I just want to begin this morning by just pointing out just a few opportunities that you have as you are a part of our church here at Catalyst, especially this month and even in the months to come. And uh, the first are these, and some of these are reruns from the announcements earlier, but half of our church doesn't get here until the service is halfway over, and I just want you to see that these things are important to me. Um, so you didn't hear these announcements. Half of you didn't hear these announcements. Uh, so the first are groups training, and these are our Catalyst communities and our discipleship groups. Uh, what's really cool about this, we did say we have uh, a, a new leader who's kind of heading this up and helping us manage this and, and understand this and run this and train and all these sorts of things. Uh, that training will be on January 21st, and it's at my house. That's how important I feel like these things are to us. These groups are to us. As we try to disciple people, we're going to open our home up uh, to any of you shepherds, leaders. We're trying, to, we're trying to put it under the umbrella of shepherd, not make you feel like you have to have it all together as, as a leader. You know, a pastor is a, a shepherd. I don't even, I don't have it all together. Like, I don't understand always how to do this as, to the best of, of my ability. Uh, so I've got groups that, that I'm shepherding, and, and I learn things from the people that are in my home each week or that I go visit and disciple myself. Uh, so get this on your calendar if you're somebody uh, who uh, wants to engage in some of our discipleship activities. The second is our marriage retreat. Uh, get this on your calendar as well. Uh, that's March 1st and 2nd. This is an overnight. We typically go to a hotel, uh, Fishers or Noblesville area, and uh, Pastor Carl will actually be kind of our, our keynote speaker and trainer in this. Last year, I would just tell you, this was a ton of fun last year. And so I want to invite you to that. If you have not uh, been to this, or if you didn't go to this last year, you can ask some couples. Raise your hands if you went to this last year, um, so you can see some of those couples, so you can even ask, is it worth going to? Uh, tell them yes. Um, also, it is an overnight. If you need scholarship, we'll figure it out. We'll help get you there. Uh, we, we charge very minimal uh, for the conference itself, but we want to make sure we can get as many people there as possible for that, and I promise you'll have a lot of fun. And is, this is another thing, because I felt like we had some of our 
Um, older couples last year kind of like wonder like, well, what are, what are we doing here? This is for all ages. Um, I will tell you, uh, younger couples need older couples in their lives. Um, and that means in the church as well. And so um, some of you might be past maybe some of the things that we're talking about or even doing. Uh, but please come and be a part of that and disciple some of the younger couples in our church and even speak into them and uh, tell even Pastor Carl how he's wrong maybe um, about some of the things that he's saying. Uh, third is our women's prayer retreat. Uh, now, this isn't actually, it wasn't, uh, you, what are you calling it? Just a women's retreat. I put prayer retreat because they're going to be focusing a little bit on prayer uh, there, and you'll see why this is important to me. Uh, but this is coming up. If you have not signed up for this and you want some help signing up for this, Emily, right, you're going to be out here at a table right out here. Go find Emily and uh, sign up for that. I'm excited uh, about that and what she's doing there. And uh, last but not least is our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and that begins today. I'm going to be teaching on prayer this morning. I'm going to encourage you to be praying and fasting. And here's uh, why, is that the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing, uh, for it's God's will for us. And this is in First Thessalonians here. I, I get a little nervous because I one time said pray without ceasing. Um, yeah, so some of you understand what that means. Um, and so, yeah, every time I say this, I get nervous that I'm going to say that again, and somebody's going to come up to me after the service. Do you realize what you said? Uh, no, tell me. Um, the, the point here is, though, is that as followers of Jesus, we are supposed to be praying all the time. I mean, there's, there's, there's opportunity to pray all the time because God is with us all the time, and we can be communicating with God all the time. And actually, not only can we, but the text says that it is, it's God's will for us to be communicating and praying with God, to God, all the time. But the truth is, I think when we think about prayer, probably few of us do. Uh, and as I've, you know, gotten to pastor and shepherd people and guide people and be around people, one of the things that I've discovered is that a lot of people, do, they don't know how to pray uh, or they are a, afraid to pray. And my goal this morning is not to make you feel guilty. If you are somebody who feels like you don't know how to pray or if you've never prayed before, if you don't know where to start, it's, it's really simple. Um, this is going to be a really simple message this morning. My, my goal is to teach you how to pray, to equip you for prayer, and maybe to motivate you over these next 21 days to begin a life of prayer and to teach you how as we do that. The interesting thing about prayer is that prayer is something that kind of all cultures and all people have done throughout all time. Uh, prayer is kind of everywhere. I think people are doing it less and less, mostly just because probably the technology and different things that are distracting us, where usually our minds rarely have time to, to focus on, on God or the transcendent or anything like that. And so I think now we're probably struggling more probably ever in the history of the world to pray. And yet for Christians, we're told to pray all the time. Muslims pray five times a day. Orthodox Jews pray three times a day. Buddhists have these little prayer wheels that they'll spin, and, and they kind of like, in their minds, they, they spin like compassion and goodness and kindness into the universe and, and out. Uh, Hindus have prayed and, and do pray basically to escape nirvana, or escape reincarnation, excuse me, um, and just pray for peace and union with creation. Native Americans traditionally have had prayer dances, songs, and ways to try to connect with 
the created order and so and the and, and the gods that they had worshipped. And so there's never been a time or a people that really that they don't pray or enter into some type of prayer. And to be honest, I, I, I tell you that because we are made in the image of God and we are made to connect with God in some way. And so all people are searching after God. All people are searching for something or someone outside of themselves. Uh, one of the things that I've discovered is in the past 10 to 20 years, uh, a lot of more people have been researching the benefits of prayer and fasting. Uh, somebody heard that I was going to be teaching on prayer, and, and they, they listened, to, or they were watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. I, I don't know. They sent this clip to me, and I found it really interesting. And this clip is a clip of Andrew Huberman, and he's being, inter- or he's being interviewed. And Andrew Huberman, he's a neuroscientist that teaches at Stanford School of Medicine. And I think, from what I understand, he has his own podcast on health and wellness and, and really is kind of uh, aimed towards, I think, a lot of men. And uh, one of the things that I've discovered in my own ministry is that men are often the least likely people to pray. And yet in the scriptures, Paul actually exhorts the church. He says, he, he tells men to raise their holy hands in prayer. In other words, like men should be praying and they should be expressing themselves in prayer. But I think many of us are scared to, or we don't think it benefits us, or we just don't know how. And I want to I want to show you this clip here. He's asked about God, if he believes in God, which is really interesting because the two guys here in this conversation, I don't, to my knowledge, from what I can tell, is that neither one of them are really followers of Jesus and are probably just now even themselves thinking about God themselves and also uh, the benefits of prayer. They're kind of just now engaging in them. And so go ahead and watch this clip, and I'll say a few things afterwards. When you
so what you see is, you know, he's, he kind of decided he was going to start praying to seek the health benefits that prayer offers. And what he says, he says that, that prayer works. And I remember uh, a number of years ago when I was researching prayer, it was, I was researching and just what a, a bunch of different people were talking about and what they were saying about prayer. And I remember coming across the Huffington Post uh, article that said, prayer is the number one right now in our culture at the time, uh, alternative therapy. It's, it's, it's not an actual, it was an alter, like, oh yeah, there's this thing over here called prayer. Um, and I don't know if you know about it, and one of the things that the, the article teased out for us and teased out for the readers were a number of things. It said prayer reduces stress, reduces disorders that are caused by stress. Prayer reduces your chances of suffering from, from ex, uh, depression and anxiety. It makes you nicer. How about that? Like, who doesn't need that? Um, no, I was, but honestly, I was, I was talking to a man, and um, he, was, he, he told me, he's like, I struggle with anger. I, I, struggle, I, I, I struggle with being nice to people is basically what he was saying. He said, I'm, I'm very good at doing certain things that I was even trained to do as a man. And he says, as I begin to encounter Jesus and follow Jesus, I realize that Jesus, Jesus loves people. He's kind to people. He's gentle with people. It's like, it is easy for me to be angry. It's easy for me to be violent. So I don't want to be like that. So I want to be like Jesus. Well, how do you get there? Prayer. And fourth, it's good for your brain health. It's good for your brain health. As uh, Dr. Huberman there was, was talking about, uh, some of the studies show that we, we don't know a lot about how the brain works. Um, but what they're discovering is that we have this, they, they know this, they, what we have here, is that there's this anterior signalate uh, cortex, I'm sure I said that wrong, but the, the point is, is that that controls, the ACC is what they call it, is that controls your social awareness and attention span and your ability to control pain, and prayer helps you keep all of those things under control. It helps you to be more empathetic, it helps you to evaluate sur your surroundings, and to operate in difficult situations. Prayer helps you in all of those sorts of things. This uh, past New Year, we always go visit Emily's godmother, um, and I did learn something about Emily's godmother here. This is Emily's godmother. She's 103 years old. So if something happens to me, Emily and the kids will be taken care of by her. Uh, no, no joke. So she hosts us for New Year's. She stayed up later than I did and got up ne the next day earlier than I did. She is in fantastic shape for a 103-year-old. She can see, she can hear, she can get down on the floor with our kids. And I discovered for the first time uh, this year that she begins her day with three hours of prayer. That's not a joke. It's crazy. I had no idea that that's how she began her day. Three hours of guided prayer. Uh, more important than any of these things that I'm telling you as, as followers of Jesus Here's what I think we need to be reminded of when it comes to prayer, is that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. And so if we want to become like Jesus, we need to pray. Here's some examples of Jesus praying. Before Jesus started his ministry, what did he do? He went time and he took intentional time of prayer. Now, he prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And I love what the Bible says after this prayer is that he was simply hungry after he fasted. Like, it just shows... Jesus' humanity, and also sometimes the simplicity of the biblical writers. But before something important happened in Jesus' life, before he started out on his mission uh, and his ministry, he set time aside to pray. Before you set time out this new year, whatever you're trying to accomplish, I want you 
praying. He prayed daily. And Mark, he's recorded going, getting up very early in the morning while it's still dark. And he leaves, leaves his house and goes to a solitary place where he prays. His disciples, by the way, the people who knew Jesus recorded this. They watched him do this. They watched Jesus do this. And then, last but not least, before Jesus goes to the cross here, and these are just some examples that I'm showing you, uh, Jesus prays. Uh, Jesus here, we're told in Mark 14, that they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and, sit, and Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. And so before he goes to the cross, Jesus is going to pray, and I love this, he takes Peter, James, and John with him. Now, why would Jesus do that? Jesus is going, and he's going to prepare himself because he knows he's going to experience an extremely amount, extreme amount of pain and suffering on the cross. He knows he's going to, he's going to die for the sins of of the world. He's going to be separated from the Father, and all of uh, our sins are going to be placed on him, and it's something that's going to be n- n- pretty much unbearable for Jesus. And so what, is he, what does he do to go prepare himself for this? He goes and he prays. We talked about how prayer prepares us for pain and suffering here, but he doesn't do it alone. He takes Peter, James, and John with him. I think he takes Peter, James, and John with him on purpose. One is because Jesus is always discipling people. He's always showing people what he is doing and how he is doing it, but he's also showing people how to live life. Peter, James, and John are going to face suffering themselves. They themselves are preparing in this moment. Jesus is preparing them for their own difficult times and their own hardships and their own troubles, and they're seeing how Jesus has prepared for it. I get a lot of questions. It's, it's, our, it's our first Christmas um, without my father-in-law. You know, my father-in-law uh, died unexpectedly this past August, and so everybody's asking how my mother-in-law is doing and how my wife is doing. And, and to be honest, the answer that I give them is as well as I've seen anybody do with an unexpected loss of somebody that they loved and cherished. And I was reflecting on this and thinking, like, oh, why is that? I watch my wife get up and pray every morning. I mean, she's been praying for years and been with her Heavenly Father for years. My mother-in-law is no different. You you never want something to, obviously, you don't want people to pass away. You definitely don't want it to come unexpectedly, but their prayer And their prayers, their time with the Lord has prepared them for the pain in front of them. I believe that. And some of us, right, we need prayer to prepare us for the pain that is coming. Life is is difficult. And they were prepared for life. The disciples were prepared for life. My mother-in-law, by the way, is actually coming to be a part of that retreat. Uh, She's going to lead some of that. Um, I know you're not supposed to like your (laughs) mother-in-law. But I love my mother-in-law. She's great. She's got a lot to, like, so sign up for that. <laughs> Some of you guys, are, I, I won't put you out, those of you over there laughing. Um, sign up for that because she's somebody to learn from. So Jesus' disciples were taught how to pray by Jesus. Jesus prayed. He invited them into that. And why? Uh, it's really simple. It's because they didn't know how. Jesus' disciples didn't know how. In Luke 11.1, 1, after that, you see the Lord's Prayer in Luke. We know the Lord's Prayer typically from Matthew, and I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew here in a second. But the disciples just say, they go to Jesus, and they say, Hey, John's, John the Baptist is teaching his disciples how to pray. Will you teach us how to pray? And so 
think about this for a second. G, the, the, the people that Jesus chose to follow him did not know how to pray. Like, they weren't experts at praying. And so if, if that's you, like, if you were a part of this church or have been a part of this church, and you are thinking about prayer, and you're like, I don't know how, I, I should know how, I feel guilty about knowing how, the, these people are probably have been following Jesus for a year or so, maybe longer. They did not know how to pray. And they go to Jesus, and they're asking him, how, how do we pray? They needed to be taught just like we needed to be taught. And here's what Jesus does as he teaches them. them. He teaches them in other places as well, but this is kind of the first place that we see and the primary place that people typically go to. And so I'm going to pick up in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 7 through 13. We're eventually going to get through verse 13. And so this is what Jesus says to them. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And so a few things going on here is that Jesus recognizes that everyone prays. Uh, The Gentiles are simply people that don't believe the things that Jesus believes and teaches in this instance. And he's saying, don't put up empty phrases like they do. And so what Jesus does is he acknowledges that everyone prays, but not all prayer often or always is also equally helpful. So let me give you an example of this. Is that years ago uh, when we were up in Northeast Ohio, um, with good intentions, the school decided that they wanted to put in meditative practices before the school started. And a lot of it actually was very helpful. It was a mindfulness program. And uh, it's, it's practices where you meditate, and they, there were some guided meditations and all these sorts of things. And uh, we were given some of the material to look at and to look through. And um, like I said, a lot of it is really helpful. There's some common grace even, which means that certain practices are good and helpful um, that God gives all people. But as we were listening and we were going through some of this, some of the practices weren't. They were guiding our kids through prayers and directing their hearts and their minds towards thoughts that weren't good to the, for them. Uh, they were directing their hearts and minds to kind of an amoral view of the world at different times. And so we had to come back to the school and basically be like, hey, we understand that you are trying to help with our kids' uh, uh, mental health, and this is a good thing. But what you are actually doing is you're using religious practices to shape our kids' uh, minds and their lives in a way that is actually antithetical to the Christian life and the Christian belief. We're going to look at this in a second here, but the Lord's Prayer says, deliver us from evil. And if you are approving of everything and everyone all the time and saying everything is good, you're actually eliminating that part of the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus says that all prayer is is they, it's there, but not all of it is equally helpful. And the thing about prayer, the reason that prayer is so important is because it's deeply formative. It's deeply formative. And so you, you do want to try to engage in prayer in a godly way and in a helpful way. So he, he continues here. Jesus continues. He says, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. And so in other words, like, okay, these people are praying, they're, they're throwing out a lot of words, and the, the length of the prayer doesn't matter. He says, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Prayer should be simple. Some of us overcomplicate prayer, and we're intimidated by the idea of praying. And so my goal this morning is actually to keep that from happening. When Jesus now is going to teach them how to pray, uh, I'm going to go through this a little bit slower here, but he's going to give them the Lord's Prayer. Many of you are 
aware of the Lord's Prayer. You can read through the Lord's Prayer slowly in 15 seconds. So think about that for a second. For those of you who have never prayed before uh, and you're intimidated by prayer, Jesus is teaching his disciples to have a complete prayer within 15 seconds time. And so he says, then pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now Jesus uses a very personal way to address God. We're singing this song this morning, uh, the goodness of God, my Father and my friend. I, I personally, if you listen to me pray, I almost always begin with Father. Uh, to me, that's a title that one that Jesus tells us to, to use when we pray, but it reminds me to, to give God some reverence um, and also to remind him that he is different than I am. And it, it's my dad is somebody in my life, I've talked about this before, somebody that I love and respect so I can use that. Maybe if you're just, you're just not there, use, use God, use Lord, um, insert something else that helps give you reverence and respect for the person that you are going to and a nearness, though, that also that can be there for you. Um, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray God's purpose for the worlds over our own. One of the things that we often think that prayer is primarily about like us getting certain things from God, but really prayer, if done rightly and we enter into rightly, what prayer is and what it does is it's about God getting into us so that he can get what he wants into the world. And so we're praying for God's kingdom to come, his will be done, as earth, at, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also often have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a really simple prayer. This is a really simple prayer. And this is a launching pad for the disciples for their prayer life. The disciples, what's really interesting about the disciples, if you read through the Bible, what you discover is that they actually never pray this prayer again. At least they don't record ever praying this prayer again. So they use this prayer probably as an outline for their own prayers and to understand how they are to address God, understand what God wants from them, and so forth. And so Jesus gives them this prayer. They use this prayer as an outline, and then they learn how to pray themselves. And there's nothing wrong, by the way, if you want to learn to use this prayer over and over again as your own prayer before you learn how to speak to God, maybe on a personal level, coming from your own heart and from your own words. There's nothing wrong with that. So Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And so it's my job in a way this morning, what I want to do before our time ends this morning, is to teach you how to pray. And so I want to give you an outline uh, on how to do this, and it's really simple. And the person who probably popularized the 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, Chris Hodges, I got this outline from him, but he looks at Mark 135, and he points out a few things to us. And in Mark 1 through 35, I want us to look at this again. It says this, that Jesus, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And so we see probably three things going on right here. The first is really simple. It's this, is that Jesus had a certain time that he prayed. He got up very early in the morning. Now, you're not a morning person. You don't want to pray at that time. Not a problem. But he had a time. Most things that are important to you, you make time for, don't you? Right? Most things that are good for you, you're going to make time for. And so you need a time. You need a time. We're going to talk about fasting and what that is next week, but it's on the simplest level, it's to give up something. It's to not do something. It's to abstain from something, food, drink, 
uh, technology, whatever it might need to be for a period of time. Maybe some of you decide uh, in 2024, these first at least 21 days, you're going to give up this and you're going to answer prayer in that place. But you need a time. The second is a place, a certain place. Jesus went off to a solitary place. Uh, so you might have a chair, you might have a, a desk, you might have a, a closet, you might have a car, you might, wh wherever that you think that you will spend a, a concentrated time in prayer, think about that place, designate that place and that time for prayer, a coffee shop, turn on some worship music if you want, like if you're like one of those people that you, you like to jam out with God, okay, and that you can get down doing that, and you can pray and have some time in the presence of God, there's nothing wrong with that, do that, but have a time, and have a place, and then last but not least, have a plan. Have a plan. I don't think Jesus on accident decided that, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get up this morning, and I'm just going to go pray. He had a plan. He knew what he was doing. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he had a plan for them. He had the prayer that he gave them. He had the Lord's Prayer that he taught them. And so these disciples had the Lord's Prayer. They had the plan in front of them. And so this morning, um, like I said, this is really simple. I want, I want you to leave this morning just knowing how to pray. Um, and the thing about prayer is I can, I can read you the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I could even stand up here and pray for you and pray over you. But unless you do it, you won't know how to pray. Like it's, it's really on you to learn how to pray. I tell people who I coach a bunch of different sports because I love to do it. Like, I don't tell kids how to play baseball. I don't tell kids how to play football. I, I don't tell kids how to wrestle. Like, I, I, I teach them, and then they have to do it. Like, I show them how to do it. Now it's your turn to go do it. And so this morning is about providing you with resources to pray uh, for these next 21 days. And so here's what we've done in your seats or beside your seats. This is a daily prayer guide. Uh, that I have written, and there is a prayer in here for every day of the week that you can use. There's a prayer in here for every day of the week, and in this prayer guide here, uh, you know, sometimes like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, I have said everything that you need to say um, ever in here in prayer. No, that's not the case at all, but, but going through these prayers will teach you how to pray in different ways for different people and for yourself, um, and so you can use this on a daily basis if you want uh, for the next 21 days. Uh, for each day, and I, I reckon that's a, that's a recommendation that I have for you. Uh, many of you know that we have discipleship groups. Our discipleship groups are a way to keep us accountable in, in our prayer life um, and in our, our, our study life and in our time with the Lord, and so we have two other resources for you as well. One is this book right here, and these books, both these books I'm about to show you are going to be on the table, the Lectio Divina, Divine Words. Uh, book here, and this teaches you how to pray um, in different ways, and what this book will do is it'll, it'll tell you how to do everything that you need to do um, each day and each morning, and um, some of you in your D groups might end up switching to this book, uh, but you have a time of the word, you have a time of meditation, you have a time of where you are speaking your words back to God, and a time of contemplation, where you are sitting in what you just did and what you just read and uh, in your time with the Lord. This is going to be an awesome re resource for some of you. I highly recommend this. We have invested as a church in these books, um, and these are yours if you want them. These are yours if you want them. These books are right over here. Um, and then uh, the next is what we call 
uh, our Banding Together books, and these are how we began our discipleship groups, and we still have these, and these two will teach you how to enter into a time of prayer and Bible reading and Bible study. Uh, I do these on a daily basis um, as well, uh, and it's a great way to begin your new year. Again, these resources are free for you, um, and they're there for you. Just take one or the other, uh, because, I mean, you can't do it all, but focus on one or the other. So if you're going to do the daily one, just take this with you. If you want to try one of our Lectio books or Banning Together's books, take them. They're there for you. We've bought them for you because I want you to leave here equipped um, and praying and connecting with God. The reason that we are doing this and we are beginning our, our, our year uh, with 21 days of prayer and fasting is because you are designed to connect with God. You are designed to be in communion with God. You are made in the image of God. And you are not who you could be and even who God wants you to be and moving in the direction that God wants you to move in if you are not spending time with him. And I, I say that not to, that is not to make any of you feel guilty. I know that all of you, if you're here this morning, you want to connect with the Lord. Like these are areas of your life that you want to grow in. And so we want to help you do that. I, I want to I help you reach some of your goals in 20 and 24. And I believe that one of your goals is to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And so I'm going to ask that you enter into these next 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're, just going, we're going to keep praying. We're going to make this a part of our life. Because Jesus has called us to follow him, to be like him, to be transformed in his image and his likeness. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, we come to you, and we do pray that we have made your name great on this first Sunday of 2024. Uh, you are faithful. You are so good. Many of us, we have spent time with family, friends. We have seen your faithfulness. We have seen your goodness. Some of us, Father, we're, we're seeking after it. We need to see it. We need to know it. We need to experience it, and I pray that would happen in our lives. I pray, Father, that you would help us in our own times of prayer. To be honest, even in my life, often there are just so many distractions. Some of them I feel like have names. Um, so I pray, Father, that you can help us to focus on you to restore our hearts and our minds, to restore our lives. I think about the prayer request we got in the prayer wall the other day of a man saying that he wants to yell at his kids less. Father, help, help us to transform into the type of people through our time with you that you'd have us to be, but also in a situation like that or any situation that we have, Father, help us to receive the grace and the forgiveness that we need for you, from you. We all need that. I pray for those in the church who need healing and help. There's people with cancer. There's people with illnesses. We know that if, when we ask and we come to you that you hear us. Father, we pray that you help deliver us. Deliver us from evil in our lives 
and how it can press in on us. Help us to love you the way that you love us. And Father, as we enter into these next 21 days, teach us how to pray during our time with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.